So there were off-air topics we were discussing. What the hell was it? Uh, we are talking about TV, the state of TV, I think, and uh, specifically we're talking about American Idol. Then oh, it jumped to it wasn't having, TV; it was just reality shows, and then reality TV. Yeah, reality TV specifically, which is honestly a large part of the network. Our fantastically sexy and riveting guest, the fantastic Paul Korn, hey. uh, had mentioned a reality show. And then I said, hey, shut up. Let's hit record first. <laughs> what show is that, Paul Korn? Well, Ryan was talking about it, uh, but uh, I, oh. I had heard of it. Uh, the Celebrity Watch Party on, I, I, I want to say it's Fox. I'm not positive of that. but um, I think it is. I think it is. I, I honestly just saw it come across my Hulu feed and was like, no, this can't be what I think it is. And is I it? watched, well, <laughs> it is essentially a bunch of maybe like B to C-list celebrities getting together and talking about and watching TV shows that are on the air right now. So people are watching like the latest episode. Rob Lowe and his two dumb sons are sitting on a couch <laughs> watching and commenting on The Mass Singer. And then we jump to uh, Sharon Kelly and Ozzy Osbourne talking about like uh, America's Most Wanted, and oh my gosh, do you remember this? And Sharon has a flashback to when she was on American Idol as a judge. And it just seems like the most self elating TV production ever. It is like, oh wow, look at the cool shit we have on. And look at these celebrities talking about the cool shit we have on. And it just was the most hollow, disheartening thing I could have watched on whatever Saturday I chose to watch it. I know you That's said it. that this was like the death of civilization, but I would argue that we're not quite there yet because we haven't gotten to the show where celebrities watch Celebrity Watch Party and comment on that. Like, yeah. this this Ouroboros can this continue to eat its own tail. Um, oh, yeah. Like, well. um, I actually, <laughs> talking about stuff on Hulu, uh, I just recently watched uh, Ultimate Tag, and uh, it's pretty bad. But like in a one? fun way, <laughs> like is so, that the movie or is that like the sport where they're doing like parkour? Yeah, shit? yeah, it's it's like the sport. So the thing is that the show okay. is basically kind of structured like American Gladiators because they have competitors come in, you know, uh -huh. and they play tag against Already like their pro taggers, and they've all got like colorful names like La Flair and. Blaze and you know uh, the geek, you know like you know, and some of these people, the yeah, he has like is that one for real? He has like super curly Andy Samberg hair and has like really <laughs> insulting '80s glasses and talks about like hypotenuses and shit. Like he's one of like three of the of the pro taggers that really buys into their premise because there's also this lady that just acts like a fucking insane person, you know, that, you know, like, like oh, she's no. part animal or something like that, you know, Aww. like, you know, just, and it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I mean, this is kind of what you want from a theatrical American gladiators thing like this, but the games are not structured particularly well, you know, it just seems like, mm. you know, like nobody really thought that hard about this because they're like, this is going to get canceled in four episodes, who gives a shit, you know, like... <laughs> but you know uh -huh. i i will say that i like my my lizard brain is still just like oh man he's got to get away from her you know like you know just <laughs> <laughs> what uh what is like the worst reality show you guys have seen it the one i just mentioned it that, depends that on one how is you, it? it depends on how you define reality show because the thing that always comes I mean, to mind yeah, when i guess to you like 
personally, like, what is the worst one to you? I remember uh, I watched, I think I was in either middle school or early high school, uh, Fox put on a special called Man vs. Beast, where they just had a series of challenges of people that were at the top of their fields in, like, various sports and put them up against animals. And so it's like this, uh, this, like, Kenyan track runner, we're going to have him do the 100-meter dash against the zebra. You know, like, uh, they had uh, Kobayashi, the hot dog-eating champion, against a bear, you know, and... uh, The, the, the one that I was just like, oh, fuck this. Uh, it was, uh, they had, they had a contest of strength to see who could pull, like, like, a, a small commercial airplane across a finish line quicker. Either a, uh, elephant or, like, some very random number of little people. I forget it, like, it was, it was a very strange number. And I'm like, it's not, it's not enough to be the same weight as the elephant, but it's also so arbitrary. And I don't know how they came up with it. Cause it was like 137. It was just like, here's all the, all of them that we have, like, in our casting agency. Everyone that answered the casting call. Yeah. That, that, that was the. That was my best guess, and it continued to piss me off until this day. You know. So, who won? Huh, I actually don't remember. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that's the thing. I would have to look it up, but I just remember being very confused by that one part. <laughs> I think if you search "reality elephant midget" or "little person," excuse me, uh, you would get some very weird Google results. <laughs> Um, I'm sure. I think the worst one I ever saw was this show called Daisy of Love. Have you guys heard of this one? Was it like a spinoff of Rock of Love, which was a spinoff of Flavor of Love, which was just like it just keeps going. (laughs) It was this horrible black hole of VH1 dating reality shows. And Mm -hmm. Daisy of Love, I don't know. It was just so awful because Daisy was just the worst like, I just. didn't even make it to Daisy. I tuned out in the New York stuff. The I love New York. I was like, this what? is too ramped up for me. <laughs> what I, you, I'm funny you brought that up because there was a dude that was trying to date the Daisy chick that like all the other dudes called him out because he'd also like been on the I love New York dating show. And they're like, he's just here to get famous on TV. And then they had to have like the little cutaway where like Daisy like had the one on one like. Are you really here just for TV or do you love me? All the, ah, it was so trashy, awesome, terribleness. The worst thing I ever saw, but I think I watched every episode of that show. I will say, okay. talking about uh, talking about reality TV, uh, my wife, Chandra, she really loves Big Brother. Like, she's been watching it basically oh. since it started. And so, like, last year, she was like, hey, we have CBS All Access because we borrow it from my dad. You know, and like... Uh, you know, so it's like, hey, do you want to watch this season of Big Brother with me? And I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'll see what this is about. I've never actually watched any of this, you know. And I'm I'm silently being like, this is this is gonna be interminable. <laughs> and within like three episodes, I'm just like, oh man, Sam's an absolute comp beast. Like they're gonna right? have to do something about him, you know. And like fucking Mickey is just the worst. I hope he gets destroyed. <laughs> like you know, just and I I was instantly in, and I don't know how it happened, but it, it's terrible. <laughs> But I agree with you because, like, Mandy mm. loves all of this shit. That's, like, what she loves to watch is, like, it's the way that her brain, like, turns off and, re- like, mm-hmm. just so she relaxes is just watching complete garbage TV. Yeah. 
and I've watched some of it with her. Like I've watched episodes of the Kardashians and been like, what the fuck's going to happen after this break? Just because like it's somehow it's edited in the way to be like, well, fuck what's going on. I'm yeah. I've sat here for 30 minutes. Give me the fucking payoff. But, <laughs> ah, but then but there's it's also, also that trashy edited in a way where it ends and it shows you like the first 30 seconds of what's going to happen. And then they come back from the commercial and then they show you like uh, the first minute that you've already seen again. Yes. That yeah. is kill time. And that, that repetition kills me. <laughs> it's also really bad when you're watching on like Hulu or pirated or whatever, where you don't even have commercials and it's <laughs> mm-hmm. so fucking annoying how they just like, I wish you could pay a little more to have that part edited out. Just get it <laughs> out of here. So give me the 30 minute version. All this mm-hmm, padding. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. fuck. I had another thing. We're here for Masia. I know that much. <laughs> right, boys? I mean... How about that? Nine minutes in. That's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. Uh, the last time <laughs> I talked to Paul Korn, Paul Korn carried a, a four-man team to dominant victory in Simpsons bar trivia with me. <laughs> oh, I can trivia. I didn't hear about this. We decimated, dude. It was crazy. Now, you said we. Yes. You said we decimated. Was it a group? Was it a true group effort? Outside of me, yes. So here's what happened. (laughs) I basically became uh, the, uh, the fury of this whole debacle. And I assembled my own Avengers because I saw a Bloomington bar they were doing because of this coronavirus stuff they were doing an online trivia to like just keep up engagement and try to bring in some revenue like and i saw it was simpsons based and due to all of our friends in this over expanding tadpog universe i know quite a few people that are very big into the simpsons so i hit up uh drew and i hit up uh phil uh filthy phil our our good buddy he was on he uh, homegrown September. Yeah, homegrown. A long time ago. So Great I brought those movie. dude in, those two dudes in, because I see him talk about the Simpsons a lot. And uh me and Paul Korn connected super hard over King of the Hill forever ago. Spoiler alert. Uh we're gonna talk about King of the Hill a little bit later. You should get on Patreon and check that out. Sub a plug. Where the fuck was I going? Talk about you you doomed yourself with your own subtle plug. I know it was terrible. <laughs> I lost my own, my own. Trivia. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So uh, Phil and Drew were also immediately like, "Oh man, we got to get Paul in on this." Paul's a huge Simpsons guy, and I was like, "Well, fuck, I didn't know this. I, we've talked King of the Hill forever. I didn't know anything about Simpsons." So we bring Paul into. Uh, we set this whole thing up. We just dominate. I think I answered one question. At the same time, so the way that it worked is that we had our own call like this going, and uh, we would all discuss the answers, and then I had to put the answer in. But pretty much, like, it was like a 45-45 split between uh, Paul and Drew, I feel, <laughs> and then me and uh, me and Phil kind of backed it up. That's the way I remember it. Paul, am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, I feel like you mostly got it, you know. Uh, it, it, it was it was a fun <laughs> bit of trivia. I've never really done bar trivia like that, and uh, it was interesting to see them not throw a bunch of softballs, you know. Um, yeah. Like, 
the, it, like I remember one question in particular was like, what was the color of uh, 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 of space? on the Simpsons Monopoly board that the property Barney's Bolorama was. You know? all, yeah. Like, whoa. Yeah. And we, we lucked our way into that or we kind we of t- logic our way into that. Like it was a multiple choice question. And we're like, I mean, orange sounds right. Cause that's kind of the color of the building, you know, like, you know, and that happened to be it, you know, but like we mostly guessed on that one, you know, um, but well. still, came through and just like i think we blew we were in like easily first place like there wasn't a close second place right i mean i think we we're at least like four points ahead of the next guy yeah which was crazy so it was a good time i've got a question that i'm very curious about that i often thought about with these uh these online trivias now how do they monitor or prevent people from cheating they said that they had questions designed to figure that out. I don't know so what they are. So they had to are. do the work ahead of time, essentially, to Google-proof them. I, yeah, at some at somehow, some point, they had some way that they were going to trip you up if you were Googling them. Yeah, um, but I don't... Mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't notice one that really fit that description. I didn't but. either. Outside of that maybe Monopoly board one. Um, <laughs> but it was still multiple choice. Yeah, so, so I don't know what was going on huh. there. Weird. But it was a it was a good fun time. I, I really nice. had a, a blast doing that. I did I did sit on that because I knew that Meiji was coming up and we were going to have Paul Cord on, and I was like, oh, I'll save this story, tell it to Ryan. <laughs> that was nice. I completely forgot about it, <laughs> and I'm glad you guys turned out in first. That's awesome. Yeah. Again, congratulations, Paul and Kyle, for your shrewd choice of teammates. <laughs> that's that's what I do, baby. I make the magic happen. Uh, speaking of. This is called a segue. <laughs> Paul, uh, we were originally going to do this episode on an anime of your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are still going to do an episode on that anime, but time permitting was not within our favor. Yeah, an entire season of an anime can be a bit uh, much. <laughs> to but... a degree, to, to really try to squeeze in and also give it a proper, respectful, like... Yeah. Examination. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't. I didn't try to make you guys watch all fifty-two episodes of Kaiji. So uh, there, there is. I appreciate that. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, man. I appreciate also <laughs> not the nine hundred episodes of One Piece or however fucking many episodes it's, of that show there are. I can't remember if it's over a thousand at this point, but it's it's it's, it's over nine hundred. I know that. Yeah. And it's still going. Like the manga is still going. So like I think it's on. Uh, I think it's in the back half of the series based on what the author has said. But, uh, other than that, I don't keep close track of one piece. Um, like I've watched a fair bit of it, but, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not one of these guys that's reading it week to week. So in this episode, instead of like focusing on an anime, it's going to be a potpourri about why we are drawn into Asian things. Like what, because the three of us specifically are, we do have some appreciation of things from there. And I just, I kind of want to, maybe we can talk about why we think that happened or if we do know, like yeah. what triggered that. And mm. so Paul, you you did bring up anime and that's what we're going to talk about when we talk with you again later. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember like what anime first grabbed your attention? Like why that stuck out to you? The, the first anime that I watched 
would probably be the Ronin Warriors. I don't know if you ever saw this one. This was like back Ronin in Wars. like sounds familiar. Yeah, back in like the early to mid nineties. Uh, they had it, different colored armors, right? Like yeah, Power Rangers. Yeah, they yeah, they were kind of like, like Power medieval. Rangers. Yeah. Well, it was it was a modern setting. There was a bad guy right. that had turned it into kind of a post-apocalypse, you know, and uh, the the guys in the armor all have, like, different weapons, and they have different unique attacks with those weapons that always have the same animation so that they can save on the budget, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, a big thing in anime that yeah, Ryan well, is I, learning about. <laughs> but, oh, I knew about it. <laughs> but, yeah, they, uh, like, that was probably the first anime that I watched. I didn't get, like... I wasn't really cognizant of that as a different it's not really a genre but a different split off of other cartoons. I was just watching anything animated at that time, you know. Yeah. yeah and sure. uh like I really became aware of it as a thing when uh Toonami came out with uh, Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. and Sailor Moon and uh uh Gundam Wing and things like that. Uh and, you know, I, I, I just devoured that stuff. And I wanted more, but, like, back in those days, like, you, you had, like, these VHSs that you could buy at Media Play, where it's like, here's, like, three episodes of an anime that might be complete ass, but it's $30. <laughs> and it's just like... Yeah. Uh, you know, like, and God help me, I did buy the entire series of Trigun, like, spending probably over 200 bucks, you know, like, over the, course of, over the course of, like, you know, like, a year, basically, because I was, you know, a high yeah. schooler, you know, and I love that I had buddies series, that did that, too. But, you know, like, it was, it was rough. Like, it is one of those things that I don't know That's... what would have happened to me if I had grown up in an era where, like, we had Crunchyroll or Hulu or something where I had, I would have access to basically everything, you know, because... Forever, I... for free, like, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where if, if I had had access to all of that easily, I don't know what kind of horrible like monster <laughs> I would have turned into like I don't know if you it's guys ever do this think I, I think about, about right? the turns that I didn't take where I would have just turned into a weird fedora incel <laughs> you know like you know and I'm just like man I'm glad that didn't happen man I'm glad I didn't discover League of Legends before uh, before I had the uh, 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 had no more free time you know like you know just right. things like that I'm just always like oof dodge that bullet um but mm-hmm. uh you know, and and I think that anybody who gets deep into anime has that phase where they're just like a super weeb and they feel like everything's better from Japan and all that. You know, like I, I went through that in middle school, a little bit of high school, and then I kind of... I think it's of... about the age we all kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and so I, you know, I eventually grew out of that, but I still have a real fondness for, you know, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the trappings and tropes that you see in anime that you don't tend to see in uh more western media there's there's things that start to get informed by that like you know some of the art style stuff especially in the early 2000s you're seeing things like teen titans and shaolin showdown and things like that that uh really crib that style you know and like the the serialization elements that you see in uh, see in a lot of anime started to creep over into western animation you know but there's still there's still a certain anime ness to it that you know like you never quite get with western media and so like i've just always had a certain fondness for it I, we've talked about kind of a lot as we mm-hmm. do when we talk about our asian films and stuff is that i think a big part of it is just the way that uh 
especially, I mean, with anime, it's from Japan, like the way that the Japanese tell a story and like the characteristics that they tend to focus on are completely different to what we in the West generally focus on in our stories. And that's, I think, one of the things that kind of sticks out like with authentic anime compared to like things from the West created in the image, like say, like like Samurai Jack or stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's got am- anime flair to it, but it, you definitely know it's made here in America too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I'd not just that. from like the animation; yeah. it's, it's in the way that the story is told and unfolds. Yeah. And the, the, you can you can see the cultural imprints in it after yes. enough viewing. Yeah, it becomes pretty clear. You can you can you can kind of read those imprints, and you can understand what a Japanese cultural imprint's going to be. You can start to understand what a Korean imprint's going to be. The more you watch the films, I get that, and I agree. I agree completely. Well, since you agree, Ryan, tell me what you agree about this question, which is the same question I asked Paul. What do you remember like grabbing your attention with Asian culture as a kid, or like Asian the first culture. time you started to notice things oh. in the broad sense, like? Um, it was probably anime, just the same. Um, yeah. I, it, maybe you could say something like, um, oh shit, what, uh, Big Trouble in Little China or something like that, where you have a little bit of bleed over into like you see part of the Asian culture. It could be like some of those old Jackie Chan movies because like my parents used to watch those. But I think when I got into it specifically and knew it was different was when Toonami was a okay. thing. So, yeah, right. both so with Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z, I think were their first two out of the gate, and that's what hooked me. I was yeah. I was probably into both of those about equally. I remember when uh, Cartoon Network replaced Sailor Moon late at night first, like kind of back mm-hmm. when like Adult Swim became what it is. It was flirting with like those more risque animes, and I they played Sailor Moon a lot. I feel like in their yeah. late night, early morning. Yeah, though I don't really remember anything, like, overtly sexual or weird about it. Especially, like, later on, you could say maybe the themes of, like, Uranus and Pluto were too revolutionary for the time period. (laughs) But I don't think it ever got to that on Toonami. I don't think think they ever made it there. Yeah, just because it was... The American edit made them cousins, which was super weird. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I don't think I ever made it to the Pluto-Uranus stuff. It's just, I learned about it from going online. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, un- unlike you, Paul Korn, I don't think I ever spent any money on imported, like, uh, anime as a kid, because I, I didn't have it, and when I did have it, it went towards video games, or probably dumb shit like candy. Yeah, no, um, I, t- I totally get it. Video games were also a high priority. I feel like video games yeah. were a big reason that I was so receptive to anime, because I really mm-hmm. liked a lot of JRPGs, and, like, there's a there's a kind of symbiotic relationship yeah. between the type of storytelling that JRPGs tell and a lot of mm-hmm. highly serialized anime tells. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I didn't even think about video games, but I don't even think my first, like, knowing, like, oh, this is Japanese, I can tell this is different, was until, like, maybe Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. or Parasite Eve is when I kind of, like, noticed. I was like, there's something different here. Th- this is in New York, but it feels like this is not a New York story. <laughs> What's going on? And, like, you can kind of tell. But yeah. I don't know. I, that's That's interesting. Yeah, I but remember, no, I learned oh. a lot just from the internet. Sorry, that was it. No, that was no, my no. whole point that I got sidetracked on. Just I learned a lot through the internet and what Anna Anna Pike 
the anime web pike way back when i'm i'm vaguely familiar way with back it, at the start but, of the internet <laughs> but yeah i didn't i didn't go there much but i knew it was a thing i uh i like my first video game where i was like oh japan does things different uh i remember a, a buddy of my older brother came over for a sleepover when i was probably like 11 and uh he brought a he brought his super nintendo and he was like, "Oh man, you got to check out this and check out this game that I just got, Chrono Trigger." You know, and like he okay. started yep. playing it with my brother, and my brother's like, "Well, I want to play something that we can both play." You know, and so mm-hmm. they played like Mario Kart or whatever, and then they went to bed because they they were gonna go paintballing or something the next day, and I'm like. Well, well, fuck you guys. I don't have anywhere to go. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play this because I am entranced. You know, I got right. I got to cut your attention right off and the I'm bat. And magic, and there's fucking time travel. Are you <laughs> kidding me? You know, like I was, I was all in, yeah. and so that that started a long, a lifetime love affair with JRPGs, which I think really primed me for anime for mm-hmm. reasons that I already described. But you know, <laughs> I repeat myself a lot in conversation. Um. <laughs> No, it's, it's also interesting too. like, at at some point, I think you or Kyle mentioned that it's, it's that age, that middle high school, middle school, high school age where everybody, that's your peak anime liking experience for a lot of people. That's where they really get into it. Mm -hmm. And I think because the options out there animated cartoon wise are not, or were not when we were growing up, I think as mature and like as kind of heady as anime could get, like even Dragon Ball, like. It felt much more mature compared to like what Kids Next Door or Wild Thornberries or whatever else was on TV at the time. Yeah, you know, it ju- it just was like a step up. It felt like you were going into like the training wheels of adulthood. Like this is your first step in, but it's still anime or it's still animated, so it's really cool and I like it. But it, it feels a little bit more substantial, and I think that comes across in Chrono uh, Trigger. Not cross. Chrono Trigger as well, and a lot of those kind of early SNES games, and you know, like the Treasure games. I remember now being something very, very different that stood out. Like this is this is not normal. This is so different from what I know. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you mentioned two of like the worst cartoons to go up against Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I, I was, did. Yeah, that's that's how you make I, a point, ladies and gentlemen. I never enjoyed either of those <laughs> shows, and I love cartoons. I still do. As a thirty. Five-year-old man? (laughs) Fucking love cartoons. Love anime, too. I don't give a shit. I hated Kids Next Door, and I hated the Wild Thornberries. Sorry if I'm stepping on toes. It's a a strong stance right there, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you like either of those, Paul? Uh, I I never really watched much of Kids Next Door, so I can't really say that I had a strong opinion on it. I remember I watched a decent amount of Wild Thornberries, and I couldn't really tell you why in retrospect, you know? Sure, yeah. (laughs) Like, it was just something that was on that I hadn't seen a billion times, you know? Like, so it it just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Just need it's, more of that Klasky Chupo in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you say it? I always said Klasky Kasupo. It's uh, Chupo. It's uh, Gabor okay. Chupo is uh, one of the founders. Uh, he's a he's a somewhat famous uh, storyboarder and director. I mean, yeah, I remember like I've seen his name forever, but I just I I'm still gonna call him Kasupo anyway. It doesn't will, matter that I you told him it's Chupo. Yeah. <laughs> It's never going to change. Thank you, Ryan. I'm glad you finally get me. <laughs> oh, I've got it. I've got you for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I've had your number, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. F- 
for me, it's literally similar just a few years earlier because I think I'm older than both you guys. But it was also that like junior high sort of level. But for me, it was a combination of two things, which was Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. and the movie Akira. Mm. Those oh. both hit my life at almost the same time. And both of them because of my best friend at the time, uh, this kid named Jason, who I've been best friends with since like fourth grade. He's the one that started getting me into all this because he was super into uh, all of the Final Fantasies that we ever got. Like, I never played any of that shit until Seven came out. Like, I'd never heard Same. of it. Didn't care. Uh, none of that. So he he was always into this and he was the one that like sort of had his pulse on this stuff that was really cool from Japan. And he's the one that started telling me about Akira because they would play this uh, commercial. It was one of those commercials where you could call the 800 number and uh, you could order stuff. And uh, one of them was for anime and they would have a uh, record of Lotus War and uh, Appleseed in the commercial, and they would have Akira, and it was always the shot of Tetsuo sliding the bike and pulling up the laser gun Mm -hmm. in the commercial. It looks so fucking cool. And so we always wanted to rent it, and we finally found it one night, and we rented it, and that was like fucking it. Because as a teenage boy, I loved cartoons, I loved violence, and I loved boobies. And... Anime gave me like all of that, usually in pretty heaping doses. So, but the boobies are almost never good, and they're always they're not, like but again, under duress. I was a <laughs> so. preteen boy without the internet. Like, it's it at the time. Like, it was fucking. I was like, oh my god, cartoon boobies! Wow. Yeah, before before the internet, like you know, like any chance to see boobs is a good thing, you know, and like absolutely, you know, and like cartoon right. boobs are like this cryptozoological thing for you, where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, holy shit! I never realized and I wanted to see Shira's tits, you know, just like right. <laughs> and it's also like this weird taboo thing you're encountering as a kid because you're growing up, but you're still a kid and you have cartoons, but now you can see cartoon boobs, and it's man, it it's a weird thing, dude. But yeah. <laughs> That's what caught my attention with anime. Um, I love it for a heap of tons of different reasons. I still really like the violence, though. That is something that anime brings that uh, usually to the table that, like, just movies can't match in the way that they can. But it's almost always used in this crazy visceral storytelling way, too. Like, it's it's crazy awesome. And it's also not so ridiculous, maybe because it's not like a realistic gore porn style, like a saw, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know, man, this, it, it's really attention grabbing. And I don't know. The art style is always fucking, I'm, I'm huge into drawing. I know Ryan is too. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know we all just like art and things of that nature. And that's another thing, especially back in those days when that shit was like hand drawn frame oh, by frame. Yeah. Sell I mean, myself. you brought up Akira is like the masterclass of cell animation, and like this, the layers upon layers they had to do for so many of those shots is just breathtaking. Yeah, it's fucking and crazy, so awesome. detailed. Yeah, and so far ahead of the curve. Like it's so crazy. Like still watching it today. Like mm-hmm. I have, I think I have four or five different copies of that movie. I think we were talking to Mike Lanham about this, maybe <laughs> or maybe me and Sean were, but. Either way, like, yeah, I have, like, the original VHS that I bought, like, when it first came out. 
They did like three or four remasters. I have some crazy Blu-ray collector's ultimate edition shit. I have... Look at this. I have his fucking... The motorcycle. I fucking <laughs> nice. love Akira. I have Tetsuo over there with the fucking crazy arm. These McFarlane figure releases. Holy shit. Asian culture, man. Nice. Why does it get us? Why does it sink its teeth in? Well, I mean, I can just go ahead and jump out and say why it gets me because it's the same for really any other culture outside of my own is it's it's a new imprint to learn. If we're talking about the cultural imprints and learning the tropes and everything, I, I know American film tropes. I know American sitcom tropes. Like, I've seen them to death now. This is why I kind of gravitate towards other things. I want to see how, like, other things do and, like, get an appreciation of other, you know ways to present stories ways to tell characters like it's so interesting too like the asian stuff really delves into emotions the in a way like american just does not want to get into it's american like has happy dark, sad depressing and mad. shit a lot that's it mm -hmm. that there's, there's no gray areas happy yeah sad mad yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, Breaking Bad was revolutionary, and that's a pretty recent show because it wasn't, like, a happy ending, like, just everything resolves on a good note at the end of the episode, and then <laughs> next also, week there's another problem to be solved, but we're gonna be happy. Hey, the guy you've watched forever is actually slowly turning into the monster. Oh, that's a thing I've seen in a couple of anime series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's fucking yeah. brilliant. It's, yeah, it's that kind of deep dive into, like, the human psyche or existentialism that just really, like, outside of maybe some of the Netflix and Hulu offerings we get now, like BoJack Horseman or the Midnight Gospel, like, American shit really didn't delve into that too, too much. Maybe, maybe some Adult Swim shows, but those are more about pushing the boundaries of language, of vulgarity, and what, what can we get away with instead of, like, exploring something. Uh, they had a literal my, show my two with, cents. like... Two butt cheeks. Yeah. Assy McGee. Assy McGee. Are you talking Assy about Assy McGee? <laughs> yeah. Of course I'm talking about Assy McGee. Yo, man, you're talking about I... Assy McGee. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not to disparage the Adult Swim shows because I do enjoy a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But I just don't find them really getting to the deep, meaty, heady material that I feel a lot of the other cultural animations do get into. That's it. So... I've got a couple questions here that I've designed and tailored to give each of you the edge. Um, but the first one I'm going to give to Paul Korn, but I think you, I think you will have the edge over me and Ryan in this question, which is what is the weirdest Japanese video game that you've played that you didn't enjoy? Uh, hmm. So I, I say that you probably, no, have deeper experience in this because I know that you play a shit ton of Japan rhythm games and things of that nature. Yeah, I, I play a fair bit of rhythm games. Uh, I, I had a phase where I was trying to get really deep into visual novels, which is a genre of, you know, they're basically just uh, stories, you know, like you have 
have a character on the screen and then you have the text of what they say and then you'll go to another place and you have another character and they say a thing you know and like there and they're were also a- usually voice acted in yeah. japanese mm-hmm. uh there there were a few that really stood out to me and so i was like okay i'm gonna find more stuff like this you know like uh, i really enjoyed uh nine hours nine persons nine doors and uh it doesn't quite fit the mold but the ace attorney series uh i really liked uh and so i was like okay i need to find more stuff like this and uh it took me down a weird rabbit hole of uh like uh visual novel dating sims you know and there's some absolute trash in there um you know i will not confirm nor deny that i have or do not have (laughs) dating sims that are or are not of a vulgar and hentai-ish nature oh yeah no no i'm not disparaging porn games don't uh, don't <laughs> like uh shandra and i shandra and i played one for uh tadpog uh one time uh-huh. uh nekopara uh and the implications of that universe nekopara. are upsetting uh because because yeah. it's a world where cat girls are real basically right oh, so, okay I know, I know this one yeah, yeah and the thing is that they they come to maturity when they're like two years old and the cats like imprint Oof. on you, and they act like they're your children, but also oh, you're so fucking Twilight. this one, <laughs> you know. And that's weird, you know. And the cats yeah. have like no rights in society, and so there's like this weird <laughs> subplot about one of them wanting to get a job, but they need to have the license so that they can exist in society. Like basically, you know. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening here, you know? Like, and this is a like a, a lightheartedly drawn cat girl visual novel. Yeah, and occasionally you fuck them. Um, you know, and it's just like, hey guys, Japan. Yeah, it's it's really right? weird. It's really bad. Um, it it, it was upsetting. Um, so okay, Nico, <laughs> that's that's a pretty good response. Ryan, do you think you can top that one? No, no, because I've not played half the weird shit. I'm sure Paul has played from Asia, uh, <laughs> but I do have a visual. Mine is Bullet Witch, which I don't know if it was made in Asia, but it has every trapping that it was made in Asia, including uh, the ability to have a schoolgirl outfit. Okay, um, yeah. Which is only obtained with playing the hard mode. It's a garbage first-gen 360 game that was from a third-rate developer, Atari, at the time. <laughs> so you know what you're getting. They published it, but I think it was... Developed outside in Japan. Yeah, um, and they're and looking to make a quick buck. And it's not good. But I only bring this up because this was back when achievements became really huge, and I spent way more time than anybody should have because I wanted as many achievement points as I could get back then. <laughs> Did you platinum it? Or no, no, because there's one achievement where you have to like go through the impossible modes with like taking like a certain amount of damage, and there's a time limit. And I was like, nope, I'm not speedrunning this game to to do that. Nope, nope, and that was my out. <laughs> but I did get like 800 points or something. Like I ground, I grinded a lot. <laughs> I shouldn't have. So that one's the worst one that you've ever played. Uh, off the top of my head, it's the okay. most offensive to me. Sure. Um, unfortunately, I, I don't know the name of the worst game I ever played. I do know that it's a Super Nintendo game, and here's how you'll know it's Japanese. It's a bullet hell. <laughs> Which, number oh. one, I hate anyways, but this one was just <gasps> incredibly... I don't do bullet hell. Um, they do not play well with my ADHD. 
Um, oh, I thought you'd be really good at that because you're bouncing all over looking at all the bullets. You see yeah, them all. <laughs> I think that's what's <laughs> distracting. It does not work out well for me. Um, so I, I don't okay. fucking right. remember the name of it, um, unfortunately. So is that it, was a terrible mm, question for me to ask. Is it weird? Is it cute? Is it pretty straightforward? <sighs> Is it like the Cho and Nikki where it's yeah, like it's a, a bunch, bunch of naked men? No, or is I, like love, a, I love Cho and Nikki, man. I fucking love Cho and Nikki. Of course <laughs> I do. Yeah. That game Cho is Nikki's fucking awesome. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> it is a, it's ass-mazing. God damn, Cho and Nikki's great. Fuck it. Popcorn, you want to come back for a Cho and Nikki episode in the future? <laughs> I've never... I, I've seen footage of Cho and Nikki games. I've You've never, never actually, actually played, played one. I think... Yeah. I own it. It was on the Wii Virtual Console for a while. Yeah, that sounds about like, right. I, I, but only on the Wii. They never brought it to Wii U or that Switch. That means it's, it's gone forever then because that Virtual yeah. Console's gone. That sucks. But you can get you got it, though. You I got, do. Oh, yeah, that's true. I'll just mail both of you my <laughs> Wii Console. <laughs> we'll just we'll pass it around. Yeah, it's okay. It'll get. But somewhere <laughs> along the way, in true Japanese fashion, it'll get cursed by a small Asian schoolgirl who will follow the Wii everywhere that it goes and then will murder whoever doesn't beat Cho and Nikki. Dead on. Gonna write that <laughs> um, script. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, so, all right, so off the top of your heads again, give me a Japanese or anime, I don't want to say stereotype, but um, like, mm-hmm. what am I trying to say here, Ryan? Like a Hope, trope? Please. A trope? Trope, thank you guys, gosh. It was not an homage, so that's why I failed. <laughs> I was out. It's an homage, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. I can't think of anything else. But no, the trope, uh, give me one that is prevalent. I'm so many. The stupid fucking crying with like the 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 rainbow tears, but it's like just two fucking frames of anim- animation looping over and over again. I fucking. It's that's almost one. like it's like Charlie Brown. It is. It's so you know what I'm saying? Like when they go Wah! juvenile. <laughs> yeah. It's it's juvenile, and this is what's weird. <laughs> really weird because they get like so weird and serious. And deep and bloody sometimes, and then they do that shit <laughs> and, in the but same think, show, and it's like, uh, huh? It'd be like if all of a sudden Barney and friends, like Barney, started ripping the kids apart, and like then then it was like rainbows were coming out of their stomachs, and but like it's taken dead serious. And it's like this is a mess. This is totally think, a mess. I think a more <laughs> explanation would be like in Breaking Bad again. Hank and Walter arguing, and Hank just pouts like, whoa! Like, just overdramatic. That's kind of what I feel like. It's so... That would also ruin the moment for me. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That's what you're ascribing it to. Like, it takes you so far out of it. It's just like, oh, this is so fucking Yeah, and I'd say that's probably... There's a few that get lumped in there, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that's one that's pretty, pretty easy for me. What about you, Paul? So this I is, bet you know some. This is stuff that like you that I don't like tropes that I wish weren't part of anime. Basically, it's, it doesn't have to be one. Just you don't have to not like just it. It's tropes. just anything yeah. that like is tropey. Okay. Like I just picked out something I didn't like. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a negative turd. Uh, um, well, I mean, I recently watched an anime called uh, Konosuba because I had heard that you know it's a pretty uh, pretty funny series, and it just didn't really land for me because a lot of the comedy from it 
is basically sexual assault <laughs> you know mm. like you know oh, just okay. that yeah, you know yeah. and i mean it's it's all yeah. shenanigans it's all designed to be funny you know it's just like you know where the guy like pays the local succubus because it's like a because it's a fantasy thing he pays the local succubus to give him like wet dreams and so he thinks he's dreaming he's in the bath and then one of the girls comes in and he's just like all right we're gonna get fucking started in here and like the situation continues to escalate and you know like it's supposed to be funny and it's just weird, you know, like, yeah. and I feel mm. like it, as, as if I was less mature, if I was uh, watching this when I was younger, I would be like, okay, that, that was still kind of funny, you know, but like, it, you know, mm-hmm. now that I'm looking at it, I'm just kind of like, oh man, you know, like the, the, the accidental boob grab stuff, you know, the, it, you know, like, oh no, I crashed through the top <laughs> yeah. ceiling of the, uh, of the of the uh the bathhouse uh, yeah the bathhouse you know like things like that whatever like you know they they appealed to my younger more horny self you know and i'm still (laughs) i'm still very horny but i'm much more aware of consent you know like yeah yeah (laughs) you know and it's yeah it's just one of those things that it always makes me feel weird when they're playing that kind of stuff for just a straight up laugh you know, there's a, uh, a fantastic meme I've seen a lot recently where it says like anime where I'm watching it and it's all like sweet and wholesome. And it's like anime the moment my family walks in and it's like some like <laughs> hardcore <laughs> penetration scene or whatever. Yep, and it's like, yep. of course, it's like, yeah, there is that shit. And that fucking it, it's jarring and it's terrible. <laughs> like because there's times like I want to talk to people or like recommend something. But then I'm like, oh, wait. That's got that weird ass Japanese trope of the monster that eats children for sexual fetish or something <laughs> like I don't know. I that I don't think that's anything I've actually that seen. Right. Just, yeah, I, you know. But yeah, like that's a that's a very common thing that a lot of weebs deal with where they're just like, "Okay, I know that this little part is weird, but don't worry about that. You know, just just power through." Also, it's a cultural like it's weirdly fucking yeah. like to look at it from our Western culture, like, the, because we are obviously uncomfortable in those situations, because especially, like, in this current year, like, all the fucking shit that's mm-hmm. gone down. Yeah. And it's just this weird division that people on the other side of the world, it's not a thing to them. It's, yeah. It's, I, it's I, not a thing like in the Europe same too, way, necessarily. Yeah, like similar, or like in Brazil, or like um, some of the Spanish countries, where like sex isn't nearly as vilified mm-hmm. as it is over here in like America. Where like you know, it's it's very yeah. common to see nudity or sexual things over there. It's it's not treated with the same taboo that like yeah. even nudity. Like I I think with j- the Japanese specifically stuff, I think it goes a little bit more into like self indulgency. Like it is, it's much more than just there. Uh, there are so many countries that are more sexually free than America. That's that is no sure, big yeah, news to yeah. anybody. I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at. But I think Japan goes even further, and I I think the the panty vending machine is the proof you need. That's it. Like you don't need to go any further than that. But like, just it, it feels almost like a whole bunch of Quentin Tarantinos. And it's like, I get it. I get you have your fetishes, but like, I don't need these in all my fucking stories. Just maybe give me one story without it sometime. And, and, and for me, that's the line. It's, it's, am I offended by this sexuality? No. But also in the way like that cultural imprint in America gets tiresome, I'm just like, God damn it. Like, I get it. You want to fuck something. Like, every, <laughs> I get it. 
But, like, I, I don't need that in this story. This is a really great, fantastic story. And as YouTube said, I now can no longer recommend this to fucking anybody. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fantastic. Even, yeah. like, that movie I like, Tag, like, I don't think I could recommend it because of, like, the weird panty shots and stuff. And it's, like, it's it's why... I know why it's there, because it's commenting on the culture around it, but still, if people I don't know, like, all the Japanese not, movies are about... <laughs> it's not... It, you're you're more worried about people watching it for the panty shots, which, by the way, did also catch my attention more than a busload of 28 girls getting sliced in half yes. simultaneously. <laughs> the shot of panties on schoolgirls shocked me more <laughs> than a bus of well, schoolgirls getting chopped in half. Like, it's fucking The school weird. bus like, is your rising action, though. Like, that is the plot yeah. of the movie. Like, that sets up your stakes. Why are there just random panty shots of the wind blowing up skirts for no reason? <laughs> there is no reason. Japan. Because, because, and that's that's where I draw the line. Because I am very much of like, if you're gonna put something in your movie or your show, it needs to have a point. Every scene should serve a point, if not multiple fucking purposes. If you have a scene that is purely for the sake of visual fluff or scintillation, you can do better. At least tie it in thematically. I and some do that, but eh. <laughs> I've gotten off here. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Ryan's two things are crying tears in anime and gratuitous panty shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, it seems like all right. I'll, I'll go here too. Then fuck it. Uh, I feel like the the school generation is a little bit too sexualized. A little bit too over-sexualized and idealized. I get it, and I understand why. But it's also kind of weird knowing that most of these creators are really... I, I don't know. Really obsessed in, like, teen romances. And then it goes usually further. And like you said, you got, like, the, the boob grabs and stuff. It's not innocent. It's not like how teen romance would be portrayed in, like, Stranger Things over here or something like that. It is much more sexualized. And I I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, I do know how I feel about it. I feel odd and off-put. <laughs> that's, that's, that is, that's, I that's think, the biggest thing. And I think that's where... I don't know. Like, maybe that is the, the central theme of, like, the, the reason that we're drawn to all of this Asian art and cinema is that at its core, it is odd because it's so different from what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And that breaks us out of our normal boundaries and it helps us identify and examine it and it doesn't work for everybody which is is fine as we've yeah. preached on this show multiple times like it's fine if you don't like something there's not a thing in this world that everybody likes what's so, the quote art should be shocking and uh push boundaries there's, there's something, something. Yeah. there's there's some quote to that exact effect and you're you're right you're 100% right um Oh, fuck, I had a question that was going to give Ryan, like, tons of credentials. Um, Skip it. Skip it. Let's go to the next one. I've already (laughs) talked enough. I I mean, you have, but I also love hearing you talk. It was... All right, so I'll make it just for you, and then we can maybe break it down a little farther. I'll I'll do this. I'll I'll put in a friend, and I'll get Paul to help me. if, If you could have... All right, here's... Now, I'll just ask it this way. What is one good thing 
that you wish that you could bring from Korea and have spread it through all of America? Because I don't need to alert, because Sai got Sai uh, already came over here. So Sai Sai is your answer. <laughs> no, no, that's a joke. That's an easy joke. <laughs> um, but but you also Korea for what two years? Uh, two years. Yeah, which is. I think that blows me and Paul out of the water on the most Asian thing we've done because <laughs> hey, in in Paul's uh Paul's dating sim game that would make me legal cat fucking age. It is true. So, <laughs> you could totally fuck Korean cats, man. You should go back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I joked about Sai and Opa Gangnam style coming over being like the thing, but I think last year with the Oscars kind of did what I wanted. Which was bring bring Korean filmmakers over here. Like I've I've loved Pak Chan Wook forever, but um, oh my God, Bong Joon Ho last year getting it I think is equally great and important. Mm-hmm. Like I I think they have such a unique style and and are telling like really for for having cultural imprints. I think a lot of their stories transcend barriers in a lot of ways that maybe some of the more niche ones don't um but they're finally coming over there so i think that's that's done that's what i wanted and i think pop or bong joon ho winning last year is gonna help just make it even more explosive for korea oh uh, yeah i think korea in general um i don't if we're going if all right let's take out entertainment they had lights on their door handles. If you want to go fucking stupid and small, lights <laughs> on their door handles on the inside of cars. Every car had lights on door handles. Oh. So when it was really dark, you could see. I Fucking liked, brilliant. I don't know why we don't do that as a regular feature in America. I like that they all had foam on the edges of their doors where they would open because they were they knew with the way parking was that they were just going to mm-hmm. bash them into the other cars next to them. <laughs> so everybody yep. like just has these foam bumpers on their doors. I forgot all about that. This right? is true. It's totally true. And it's also, because they like, ticket everywhere. And I love that. You have to that? queue up for everything. You have oh, to ticket yeah. and wait in line. Anywhere you go. Great. Great. There's no fucking arguments when you have a fucking number. Wait your oh, fucking I turn in line. Great. Everywhere. Love it. Really, That's I, fantastic. I think the thing that I would really like to say, see take off more. They are here. And it is specifically more the Korean version of it, but I love the the group joint style eating, um, oh, where like yeah. a Korean barbecue, where like there's the grill in the middle of the table, and everybody's taking part, and it's this, yeah. it's also the entertainment, and people are talking, and it's it's making things happen, it's bringing things together yeah. much more differently than like just sitting, I feel, at a table and then like a plate coming out. It's interactive. It's fun. And mm-hmm. it's it's encouraging to like help you talk to people. I don't know. I love I, agree. I love that gr- group style eating. I agree. And then you top that off with the night of going to the Norebong. And actually, I, I lied everything else I said before because I would totally bring Norebongs over. We just couldn't <laughs> handle them in America. We couldn't be trusted with that responsibility. But, like, the karaoke rooms where you have your own private room and, like, bottle service and they bring beers and snacks in for you. Oh, it's so fucking good. And they're open till 3 or 4 in the morning. And they're, like, 20 bucks an hour. Super cheap. Fantastic. Those are great times. You go, you go Korean barbecue. Then you go to a bar, then you go to Noribong. That's a party. That's a good fucking Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. All of them. It's fine. Paul, what what about you? What would you bring over and why would it be 
panty vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, like, you know, I don't know much about, like, Korean culture, um, but, like, from Japanese culture, the thing that I would really love to bring over is uh, the game centers. Like, the... the, the, uh, mm. the oh, yeah. The Japanese arcade culture is really interesting. To God, me. yes. Like, you know, I would those, fucking love that. You know, uh, and the main thing is that the U.S. isn't really built the same way, you know, like, it's not designed for the same level of foot traffic, and that's why mm-hmm. U.S. arcades kind of started dying when malls started dying, you know. But if there was a way to make them viable over here, I would be so down for it, you know, like, having, like, different arcades that would cater to different niches. Like, uh, I, I, I remember reading about this one where it's like a multi-level arcade, and usually when they have like an arcade that's multiple stories, it'll be like rhythm games this floor, fighting games this floor, beat-em-ups this floor, you know, and like this one was all fighting games. And what they did was like, the first floor is like for the newbies, like the people that are like new to all these oh, games. Second oh, floor shit. is like for people who have like kind of proven themselves, and then top floor is like <laughs> where like the, the, the best of the best compete with each other. That and is fucking I, awesome. I love that concept. Concept, mm-hmm. You know, and wow. I love the idea that, you know, the arcade industry, at least at a time, maybe it isn't so much now, I don't really know, but like, you know, uh, at a time, the arcade industry was so robust that it could afford to specialize like that, you know, and even at even at its height, the US arcade industry never really got there. You know, and that's something that I would really love to see. But that would be part of a thing where, you know, like, you know, the home consoles are so different now that I don't know if we can ever really go back to that in a in a complete way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and not only home consoles, like the other big aspect of the arcade environment is the group and social setting. Mm-hmm. And holy fuck, we have the Internet now. I mean, look at us now, like. We're just hanging out. Yeah. Like, yeah. we could just be gaming, too, on top of it. I, I agree with you, and I, I... It sucks that, like, the most arcade exposure I got was, like, my Pizza Hut would have, like, the Turtles <sighs> fighting game and a Street Fighter cabinet. Like, because mm-hmm. I also lived in, like, a small Midwestern American yeah. town. Like, it just didn't have shit around me. Like, yeah. I'd have to drive an hour and a half north to the big mall in the state capital. Oh. That would have arcade games, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, but Man. I loved playing arcade games. Any chance I got, you just we didn't have the exposure to them out here. I think they could have done well. It's also like like Paul said with the foot traffic because Japan's also so based and entrenched in this public transportation system, mm-hmm. whereas like America, you go where the fuck you want when you want, man. You ain't telling me shit. Yeah. <laughs> I would drive to that arcade if I want to or not. But I think it's different to specifically go to it than to be walking by and the lights catch you or the sound. And you're like, mm-hmm. hey, what the fuck? Check it out. So, yeah, that's my bit on Japanese arcades. <laughs> I agree, though, Paul. I wish they were fucking over here, man. Yeah, it's a good one. Speak- speaking of Game Center, are either of you familiar with Game Center CX, I think? The I think it's a Japanese TV show with Mr. Arno, the game master, who has to he he wears like this little work jumpsuit and he gets pushed Is that into the, a room. Hitachi's castle or whatever. That's what I, I think. That's what it was renamed over here. Over here, yes. right? Yeah, that yeah. show's fucking awesome. In Japan, it's Game Sensor CX, and they have seasons that's and right. seasons and seasons of them. And I think I have a bunch great. of great. I so love it. It's, it's a Paul, simple concept. It's, Do you know it's it? this guy that's like really, it's this Japanese dude that's really good at video games. And like, mm. they're basic. It's, 
Is he's he not, not really good. good. <laughs> no. Okay. No, so he's, he's not good. And that's what makes it very interesting because he's very okay. much the I've average Because I've only seen like, the ones where like he plays like super ghouls and ghosts and shit. But like he'll They're play like edited, really. But he's in there for like yeah. 30 hours yeah. banging away at it. And he has to get like people to come in, like his interns to help him and give him <laughs> hints. And they give him like the, the hint on a piece of paper and bow and then leave the room. And it's just, it's really cool. I love everything about it. It's, it's just, it's re- you would, you would fucking easy hour it, of television. I'm going to have yeah. to look into you would, this. You would enjoy it. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it more off the air, but for, it's cool. Cause like, yeah, I think it was super ghouls and ghosts. I've seen that one where he's like trying to beat it. And like Ryan says, like, yeah, I think does he have to stay there until he does it, or yeah, or or he'll have a time limit. Like you have forty eight hours to beat this game, or something, and then he yeah. literally stays in the room until he's done. Huh. And it's, it's like it's just like a slow progression of great. like his misery edited <laughs> in, in like forty eight hours into an yeah. hour, and it's just it's oh, well it's produced. Great. They have they have segments where he like visits a bunch of game centers around Japan and like reviews and ranks and talks about them. And that's kind of how like when you started talking about the game centers, I was like, I know about these now because of that. <laughs> and it was super educational and informational. I would recommend that and, to anybody. You can find them on YouTube. Also, uh, this it was what I remember about it. It was that those were like pre YouTube. I remember those circulating mm-hmm. around pirate sites and people talking yeah. about them and. Uh, there was this website called X Entertainment, I think, back in the day, mm. and they he talked about a lot of the Hitachi moving castles. Oh, okay. I know the website makes it sound pornographic. It actually it was does. not at all. <laughs> it was not at all. That's just the name that the dude had for the site. It was really he was super into like all the eighties and nineties shit. Like he had mm. this fucking crazy in depth review on like all the He Man figurines. And like he had this incredibly long paragraph describing how the stinkor one smelled. It was a it was a really yeah. cool, awesome site. Okay. Um totally not Asian. <laughs> so completely okay. irrelevant. Um fuck, I don't think I have anything else. Could I you guys have I, anything? I, yeah, please. Uh, could I give you like just a, a brief pitch for an anime recommendation? Another one, yes. yeah. Like, because uh, uh, I, I tell you what, let me let me cut you off and say this: <laughs> the last one that you've given me for the episode we're going to cover, mm-hmm. I am really fucking liking. How so far in are you? I am four episodes. Okay, so yeah. I, I'm just trying to get a sense of where you are in the story because it takes some turns. Um, dude, but, uh, it's fucking. I am digging it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the like, I just. I just always like to have an opportunity to tell people about this particular series that I discovered a few years ago. It's it it it, it, it the manga started in like the '90s and uh, it's still going. I don't know if it's close to its end, but uh, the anime is called Ultimate Survivor Kaiji, and it's about this guy named Kaiji. Uh, he uh, winds up in debt about like roughly equivalent to $30,000 to a loan shark because of a loan that he co-signed on as a favor to a co-worker, right? And so mm-hmm. he doesn't have that money because he's in the middle of what's called Japan's lost decade, which was like their biggest time of unemployment right after the bubble era, you know, like, uh, you know, and so right. he he has he has no money. He, does, he has no prospects. He's kind of a loser, you know, and so the loan shark, knowing that he can't get actual money out of him decides to put him into this thing that he knows about 
It's basically this big underground gambling circuit where they take heavily indebted people, they make them bet like huge sums of borrowed money, you know, and they put and they oh. make them do these weird games. Like uh, the the first arc of it is this game called like Restricted Rock Paper Scissors, where you have like three star chips and you have twelve cards, four rocks, four papers, and four scissors. And so the idea is that you have to maintain your three stars while using all 12 of your cards. And so the thing is that, like, at first it seems like just as, oh, we're just playing rock, paper, scissors, this is a thing, you know. But everybody realizes that there's, like, a meta to, to how all of this goes because, like, there's more information. There's, like, a chart that shows how many rocks are still on the floor, how many papers are still on the floor, how many scissors are still on the floor. They gave so them kind of like a, counting cards Yeah, kind a little of. Bit. Like, like, you know, learning like, that and... And they all got a huge amount of money at the beginning of the game that, like, interest is building on. So it behooves you to finish this quickly. But the thing is mm. that people realize, you know, people immediately realize that if they just do draws against each other, like if they find a partner and just, like, do 12 draws, then technically they've won and it's over. But then they would still have, you know, like, some interest that they would have to pay off on, like, this, like, I think it's, like, between one and ten million yen, you know, and so huh. the thing is that everybody starts getting into like this prisoner's dilemma situation. Because if I fuck this guy over and get one of his stars, I can sell that to somebody who needs it, you know, because everybody's got money, you know, and huh. so okay, and so then other people start realizing nobody told us what we are supposed to do with this money. So we could buy cards off of other people and corner the market on the scissors, you know, and wait until such time that, you know, like, it's advantageous to play those. Or, you know, like, and there's all these strategies within strategies that start developing, and it's really interesting the way that, uh, the, way that the author kind of builds out how all the games work. You know, like, they seem really simple, and then you start, peeling back the layers and you realize there's a lot to it you know and uh the other thing that really draws me to it is that usually when you watch a series like this you're pretty confident that okay well nothing too bad is going to happen to the main character and the thing is kaiji can lose really bad like they they do stuff where it's like oh my god, I did not think they were going to pull the trigger on that. Like, you know, like, the consequences of this are such that I'm like, there's no way he can lose, and then he fucking loses. And you're just like, <laughs> okay. you watch him so fall into the gutter and somehow bounce lower. You know, like, yeah. Say, <laughs> yeah, it does have that. exactly like something Ryan would love, too, because number one, yeah. it's, it's games, and number two, it's super in-depth games. Well, specifically that, I was like, it kind of reminds me of Taskmaster in the way, like, you're outthinking the rules, you're told yeah. rules, but then you're trying to outclever them and break them, essentially. Yeah. Think but it also, is it very much, I'm assuming, like, Battle Royale, in which it becomes, like, a display of character types, and you, and you really dive into, like, characters and how they handle these situations very differently. Yeah, like, you know, there's, uh, you know, we spend mo most of our time with the main character, Kaiji, who, you know, like, as we follow him along like he is able to really analyze the situation and kind of pull himself up from the depths of defeat you know but he's also mm -hmm. just kind of a hopeless gambling addict you know and so uh, there are times where you're, where you're just like god fucking damn it why are you doing this you know like oh you know but dude you know, have you seen 
What uncut gems? Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. uncut gems. It is a very stressful movie, but uh, like, is, so is this similar to that though, where it's like, yeah, dude, it, why stop? No, it's not as it's not as it's not as anxiety inducing as that, you okay, know, because sometimes okay. because There's probably breaks. Yeah, like <laughs> usually, 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 you have at least some sense of why Kaiji is doing what he's doing because it's like, okay, yeah, I know. Dude, cut your losses is usually what I'm saying to Kaiji, okay, you know, okay. you know, because he's not really he's not usually going for the big win so much as it is like, I am fucked if I don't do this. You know, <laughs> like I have no other options, you know, OK, like the whole so he's, he's bit, he, sorry, he's putting it all. I'm just he's putting it all on black because that's literally all he has left as yeah, the option to yeah, take. Yeah, there, there's that. Uh, like, the the one big negative I would say about it is that it's a very slow-paced series. And Dude, they, that's perfect. they use it to their advantage at times where it's like, you know, they stretch out the situation and you kind of feel what Kaiji's feeling, like this oppressive environment on him, you know, <laughs> the way that, you know, like, it just feels like you're you're stuck in this place you know like you can't get out and so they are able to use it to effect but i do know that there are times where like the second season has a big arc where he's basically trying to figure out how to beat this like completely rigged pachinko machine that the bad guys have set up and it basically turns into a heist film for a bit you know and (laughs) awesome the thing is that and the thing is that i was just like at a certain point, I realized, oh, this is going to be the rest of the season, and there's still, like, 12 episodes left, you know, and I'm like, I like this, but I would also like to see other stuff, and then I kept on reading the manga, and they had, like, one arc where I couldn't really follow it because it's, like, all about Mahjong, and I'm like, I don't know Mahjong I all that well. I don't get you know? Mahjong either, man. <laughs> you know, I but, uh, fucking all. I learned enough to follow that arc, but it's not my favorite. Okay. You, know? you did more than me. I remember, all I know about Mahjong is when it was on some version of windows and i would just click until the game was over <laughs> yeah like mahjong is yeah. it's kind of like poker but like there seem to be a lot more combinations of hands and i also don't know how to make those hands you know it'd be kind of like yeah. if someone tried to tell me to play poker but didn't tell me whether or not a group of cards is good or not you know that's kind of yeah. where or i'm what at the fuck the, do the suits matter i don't know figure it out <laughs> yeah. yeah okay Mahjong makes as much sense to me as Quidditch. They're both just like, whatever. He he won. That's all I need to know. Great. But yeah, (laughs) Ultimate Survivor Kaiji. It is probably my favorite anime that isn't like just a basic something that people might have seen on Toonami or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I I would strongly recommend it. Uh, Well, I've got it written down. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's on Crunchyroll. Uh, The first arc, I I think, is about 10 episodes. Um, so like you can kind of see whether or not it's something that you would like from that, you know, Okay. and they made a, they made a few movies out of it. Actually, uh, they made, they made a couple of like either two or three live action Japanese movies. And then they made a Chinese movie called uh, animal world that is like loosely based on the first arc of Ka- Kaiji. Uh, it's got a uh, Michael Douglas as the evil industrialist that runs the, uh, okay. <laughs> that runs the game. You know, uh, was this around the same time as that? Uh, who's the who's the in the Chinese wall movie? The Matt Damon. Oh, uh, the, the Great time? Wall. Yeah, great that's wall. right. I forgot about that movie. Um, I don't. I don't. Didn't I we think, all? 
Yeah, like Animal World, I think came out like maybe three or four years ago, and I think The Great Wall was more okay. like six or seven, something like that. But uh, but yeah, Seems like right. it's a yeah. Animal World is weird. They add a bunch of weird stuff to it that I'm just like, I don't know why we did this, you know. But um, <laughs> hey, because hmm. China. But it does have like that <laughs> central hook of the, they're playing the restricted rock paper scissors game, and a lot of the same basic beats of how the mm. of how the game winds up playing out are there you know but but yeah kaiji is a plus anime in my opinion all right nice. i'll i want to check that out ryan do you have anything else you want to talk about for amasia potpourri no i don't <laughs> think i do <laughs> i had to think i'm good what about you sir i thought I think I've asked every question that I thought to get into. Um, so, and I had Yahoo questions as a backup, but goddamn, we didn't need it. This was a fucking great episode, boys. Paul, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, um, no problem. I'm always happy we, to ramble about my weeb shit. <laughs> we are, and speaking of, we are still going to do this episode on the anime you recommended, which I haven't mentioned the name of yet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do that now. So if you want to watch it before we get there... Uh, it's an anime called Finding Neverland. It's the on promised. Hulu. Promise. Promise Neverland. Finding Neverland. God damn it. It's a Johnny Depp movie. It's a good movie, but it's not what it we're doing. It is a good movie. <laughs> and that's why it, it keeps... But Promise Neverland. It's on Hulu. You should also watch Finding Neverland, but for completely separate reasons. <laughs> will but, we be uh, doing yeah. this on the next Meja, or will we be doing it no, sooner No, we're going to do then. it this year, just uh, when we can. Yeah, you said this summer, right? I don't know if I said... I mean, I said that. Did we announce it to the audience on the podcast? We just did. It'll be <laughs> sometime what, this summer. Thank you. That's where yeah. I was getting. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank you for doing Thanks it. Thanks for setting me up with that beautiful... You just lobbed it in there, and I just knocked it out of the park. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? <laughs> I, it's what we're revisionist history saying happened. Um, oh, no. <laughs> speaking of... Uh, Japanese love baseball. I do know that. That's an, <laughs> another Asia fact. And Korean baseball Asia made facts. it over to ESPN. <laughs> Asia fa- hashtag Asia facts. It's it's not offensive at all. No, just way to go, Kyle. Good job. Um, no, we got that. Promise Neverland. I got it right that time. Uh, it is on Hulu, and then I already said it too. You're gonna come back for a Chilla Nikki episode, whenever the fuck that is. Yeah, yeah. Just let me is. know, and I'll I'll find one of them online to play, just so that I know. Ryan, what the you play Chonicky? No, but I love shooting ups, and I know what I'm in for. I've seen a lot of videos on it. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. I think Laura it's, will appreciate that one too. I think it is two player too, so you both could play it with. The oh, ladies. she won't play it. She'll get frustrated. <laughs> she hates that shit, but she'll find it funny to watch at least. Uh, as I said awkwardly at like nine minutes into this episode. Uh, Paul is also going to be joining us on our Patreon-only show, We'll Tell mm. You What, where we talk about King of the Hill episodes. We're working through every one. Uh, bad news for Paul and anybody that listens, the episode he's going to be on is not one of my favorites. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We'll get to it. I got you got to find out about. by well, subbing on tune Patreon. Tune in for this one on Patreon because it's going to be contentious. I'll fucking tell you that much right now. <laughs> Um, until next time, though, I am Kyle. I'm Ryan. And I'm Paul. (laughs) And we will catch you next time.
<laughs> Throwback, go fuck yourself. Aw. No one could have stayed in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Adios.